Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. We're going to continue today um, in talking uh, through our series entitled Detox. We started our series, uh, gosh, a little while ago now. It's been going on for a while. And the whole point of this series is uh, we just wanted to approach God and say, God, are there some things in our life that we need to detox from so that we can lay hold of, of that which you've laid hold of us for? That we want to fulfill the, the excellent purposes of which you've created us. And here's something we've learned that along that journey, uh, sometimes some things get in the way. And we want to detox from those things so we can continue to move forward. Last week, my wife preached an amazing message on words, detoxing from toxic words. Man, got so many great reports out of that, and uh, actually have to preach more often because five people gave the heart to Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm a little competitive, I'm not gonna lie. And so when you know when five people gave the heart to Jesus Christ, and she preached, I was a little bit like, that was the last time five people gave the heart to Jesus Christ, not preach. And I know it's not supposed to be like that, but I'm human and I'm competitive, all right? And uh, and so what an incredible message. Well, today we're gonna continue that series, and we're just gonna ask the Holy Spirit to search us and identify this idea of fear in our life that's holding us back from walking into the incredible, incredible things that God has for us. I believe fear is one of those. Now, not like the fear like many kids went out and did last night, went to haunted houses and, you know, and got dressed up in scary things or whatever, watched scary movies, uh, although we need to detox from that as well. Uh, we're talking about this idea that God has something for us, and yet we aren't there yet because fear is holding us back. So we're going to look at that today as we look at Scripture. So turn in your Bible to two different places today, both of them found in the New Testament. Um, if you're new to uh, this spiritual journey and you're kind of new to this book called the Bible, it's broken up into two segments, the Old Testament and then the New Testament. <clears throat> we won't go too deep into why right now, but you just find your way to what says the, Old, uh, the New Testament. And the very first book of the New Testament is the book of Matthew, and then it's broken up into chapters. You go chapter 1, 2, 3, we're going to go to chapter 14, and we're going to read a portion of scripture there. Hold your finger there, though, and then keep shuffling those pages from right to left until you come to a book called Hebrews. And when you get to Hebrews, you're going to go to chapter 11, and we're going to read verse 6 of Hebrews 11, and then we'll find our way back to Matthew. As we look at this idea of fear, and we'll overcome it today with another idea, and it's the antithesis of fear, and it's the idea of faith. Hebrews 11, verse 6. Hebrews 11, verse 6. And it says this. It says, Now, without faith... It is impossible to please God. How many of you guys want to please God? Anybody want to please God? A few of us are still unsure. That's okay. Hopefully by the end of our time together, you'll be like, yeah, I want to please God. Well, here's what the Bible says. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please God, which then would raise this, this, this certain question, what is faith, right? And if I need faith to please God, then I want to make sure I know what, what faith is. Well, we can just rewind six verses to verse 1 of Hebrews 11, and we can discover the biblical definition of faith. And it says this in verse 1 of chapter 11. It says, now faith is, okay? So here's what it is. It's the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. That doesn't make any sense, Pastor Ben. How can we prove if I don't have it? Okay? For our ancestors won God's approval by it, by faith. Let me read the first part again. Now, faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. In other words, I, I want that over there. I don't have that. But because I have faith. 
faith, I know I, I'm going to obtain it, all right? In other words, because I know I'm going to obtain it, it's already mine, I already have it. How do I have that assurance? I have that assurance because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, amen? Because of his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection, now what he is calling me to, that's the life I have for you, then through faith, I know it's already mine, so I need to live now like I already possess it. Are you with me? Because that's faith. And without that faith, without that kind of living, it's impossible to please God. I don't know about you, but I want to please God. For the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and reward those who seek him. Look at it, draws near to him. How are you going to draw near to God? Through faith. Through that assurance that what he's calling me to, I already have it. And when I live my life that way, it pleases God. Are you with me? Now let's go to another, uh, that other passage in Matthew chapter 14. We're going to see a guy that needed to apply this in his own life. His name is Peter. Uh, Matthew chapter 14 is actually a pretty intense chapter of the Gospels. What you're going to see at the beginning of it in Matthew chapter 14 is that John, uh, Jesus' relative, is beheaded. This is a sorrowful moment, but what's so completely unusual about this chapter is that even though Jesus knows what happens to his relative, he still stays focused on his mission and on his call. And, uh, and, and he focuses back onto the crowds. That's why he came. He came to seek and save the lost. And so it's through that that we then see this incredible story of the feeding of 5,000 with a little bit of food. Really cool story. Okay? And then right after the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus looks at his disciples and he tells them something. Chapter 14, verse 22. It says, immediately he, Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. Well, he dismissed the crowds. After the dismissing of the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already over a mile from land, battered by the waves because the wind was against them. Around three in the morning, which some of you saw last night because you're out partying for Halloween, you don't need to admit it, but God knows. He came toward them, walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. Ah, it's a ghost, they said. Cried out for, listen now, fear. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them, have courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. In other words, he recognized that them being in the boat, there was some fear going on. He said, hey guys, don't be afraid, be, be of your courage. Verse 28, Lord, if it is you, Peter answered him, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus replied, come. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him, and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. That those in the boat worshipped him and said, Truly, you are the Son of God. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is, is phenomenal. Lord, I pray that in the next few moments that we have together, that you would speak to each and every one of us. God, and that we would literally lay hold of something here today, in this moment, and walk away encouraged. Lord, walk away detoxing from fear and have faith in the journey. In Jesus' mighty name. 
Amen. 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 Uh, last weekend, a bunch of us guys came back from a men's retreat. There were about 20 of us, and uh, we had an incredible time. Pastor Brandon Miller did an incredible job putting that thing together, rallied some guys, and we went up into the mountains, and we did all sorts of manly things, you know, like shooting bows and arrows because they didn't give us guns, right? So we shot bows and arrows, and, uh, and then we ate food without utensils. You know, don't talk about we did manly things, right? And, uh, you know, we did all sorts of stuff. We did. We even played football. We played basketball. We played canoeing. I know canoeing doesn't sound like a manly thing, but we had canoe races, and therefore it became manly, right? <laughs> and so we were just having a good thing. Well, on the last day, uh, we did this, these things called a ropes course. Anybody here done a ropes course, the high ropes course? Anybody know? A lot of leadership places will do this, and they'll take your staff away, and they'll teach leadership principles and things like that. Well, we got to do a ropes course, and it was, it was, it was fun. And... Uh, so I remember we all got together in the big circle, all 20 of us, and the instructors are there. And, and the very first question they asked, and I, I, you might not know this about me, but I, I'm afraid of heights. All right? Now, I know you're looking up at me like, Shh, oh, you, you're afraid of heights. I mean, you're five foot nothing, all right? I'm six six, all right? And so when I get up on something high, it's high. When you get up on something high, you're just my height. Come on, somebody. <laughs> all right? And so it, it's, it's up there to me. And so therefore, I, sometimes I'm walking around, I'm freaking out. I'm like, whoa! It's high, you know? It's high up here, okay? I'm scared of heights. It's just part of who I am. It's the way God created me, and I'm, I'm fine with that. So the very first question they asked, when we're all sitting around, they go, is anybody scared of heights? And I knew if I hesitated that I probably wouldn't raise my hand because I'd look around and see that nobody else was raising their hand. So I just shot my hand up in the air. Now, I know there were other guys that were scared, too. They were just afraid to admit it. I won't mention any names, Brandon Miller. And so we... <laughs> I raised my hand, and I look around, and none of the dudes are raising their hand, but then there was this one girl there, and she actually works for the company, and she raised her hand, and I thought, girl, you're working for the wrong company, you're raising your hand, right? She raised her hand, too, and I'm like, yeah, all right, she works here, she's scared, too, all right, guys, got to look at me like, he's afraid, I'm like, you're stupid, and so, are you afraid? I'm like, yeah, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit scared of heights, and they're like, okay, we're going to help that so one of the ones we got to do was called the leap of faith. And you climb up this post, and there's this platform that's just big enough to stand on. You got to jump out and try to reap this bell. And as you do it, there's somebody harnessed down below holding you in. The only problem is, is the person holding me in was the girl that said I was going to hide. And she was like, a, she was like 105 pounds. She was little, all right. But then I noticed she was harnessed to a post. It still didn't give me much faith. Are you with me? And so you had to leap off, and you had to, you know, hit this thing or whatever. And so that was that was what I had to overcome. But there was this other one. And, and I don't know what it was called, but there was this rope or this wire stretching about, I don't know, 30 or 40 feet. And you had to shimmy across it. And as you shimmied across it, you had these ropes hanging. You would hold on to one rope, and then you would kind of shimmy across, holding on it, and grab the other rope, and then let go, and then pull yourself over as you're shimmying across. And then like a series of these, these five ropes. And I noticed something. I noticed that when I was holding on to the rope, I was pretty good, right? I was, I was, you know, like, okay, this ain't too bad. You know, look down, it's, it's down there a ways. No, but the guy that was holding me in on this one was like 280 pounds. I'm like, sweet. Yeah. Holding on the rope, man. I, and all of a sudden, you begin to inch your way over and begin to let go of that rope. And begin to, but when you did that, your legs start to wobble a little bit. At least mine did. <laughs> legs up. And you grab on the rope, and all of a sudden, okay, you're secure again. And then you go on to the next one. And here's what the instructor did. The instructor did something that I didn't understand quite at first, but now I get it. As you were at one rope, you wouldn't be staying a whole lot. But as you begin to move over to the other rope, all of a sudden you say, hold on a second, what does that other rope represent? And I'd be like, I don't know. 
you have to think about what you want that rope to represent. And as soon as you would start thinking about what that rope represented, you would no longer be looking at the ground. You would no longer be wobbling. All of a sudden, you'd find yourself nice and stable thinking about what that rope represented. All of a sudden, you would grab it. And then all of a sudden, you look down and you're like, whoa. You go on to the next stroke. Ladies and gentlemen, that is what the Christian walk is like. We live in between a series of God sets and obtaining what God said. We live in this moment right here. See, ladies and gentlemen, we don't need faith for what God is speaking. We don't even need faith to hold on and finally be there. What we need faith for is we need faith for the in-between moment. It, it takes absolutely no faith to hear from God. It really doesn't. Think about it. It takes no faith. Think about some people in the Bible. Think about a guy named Moses. You guys all remember that we talked about it, I think, in this series. It took absolutely no faith for Moses to hear from God. Moses was minding his own business. The Bible says he was on the backside of the desert, just, you know, tending his sheep. It wasn't like Moses was out there like, God, I need you to speak to me. Give me a burning bush. Right? He didn't say that. He was saying nothing. He was just tending the sheep, and all of a sudden, God shows up and begins to speak to him. He didn't take any faith for that. It took faith for him then to take what God said and begin to walk it out and obtain what God spoke to him. Are you with me? It takes no faith to hear from God. God shows up to a guy named, named Paul, named Saul, in the New Testament. You read the story, and he's a mass murderer. I mean, he was actually persecuting the Christians, and God shows up and speaks to him. He wasn't looking for a word from God. Think about a little girl named Mary. Christmas is coming up. Have you been in the stores lately? At Home Depot? Christmas is by far my favorite time of the year. Like, I love Christmas. And it's coming up. And within that story of Christmas, you have this little girl named Mary. Right? Well, like Mary was lying in bed saying, I really want to get pregnant without being married. And I want to birth you on the earth. You don't see in Scripture. I mean, she was probably like any other 14, 15-year-old lady in bed. Like, why can't I sleep? I really want to go to sleep. Or maybe she was up texting her friends, whatever. <laughs> right? God shows up in the middle of that. One of the first words he said, hey, don't be afraid. I wasn't until you showed up. Right? <laughs> she looked like she had this massive amount of faith. Like, I'm going to do something with my life. And I'm going to bring God. I'm going to be pregnant. And people are going to persecute. It's going to be an awesome life. And God's going to be born. No, God just shows up. What she needed faith for was to walk in out. We need faith for the in-between moments. Yeah. I, I needed to stay focused in that transition from rope to rope. I didn't need faith when I was holding on to the rope. I needed faith when I let go and I was shooting into the next one. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know something. There are so many of us that aren't getting over here and attaining what God has for us because we're still back here with fear. Unwilling to step out into the incredible thing that God has for us. Now, here's what you need to understand. When you finally get here, it doesn't take any faith to be in this either. It, it, it takes me no faith to be here with you right now and show up and be like, yeah, you know, whatever we have here today. What takes faith is what God showed me in Church of Thousands. We still live in the in-between moment. And I just got to keep walking and keep walking and keep walking. Are you with me? And so this is what I've learned. I've learned that it's we live here, but it's what we do in between here that either gets us to there or lessens the gap between here and there. How we walk this path, how we walk this journey, it's what God does here that's the most valuable and the most important. 
That's why you look at the Old Testament, and we just talked about that in Moses, right? And Moses called to lead the, the children of Israel out of Egypt. Let's call this Egypt over here. I want you to take the, these people, my chosen people, out of Egypt, and I want you to take them to the promised land, the land of Canaan. It's flowing with milk and honey, right? And this journey that most scholars believe would have naturally taken somewhere between 8 and 11 days. Obviously, there was a lot of people, give or take, but somewhere between 8 and 11 days. They call it two weeks. It took 40 years. To walk into what God already said was theirs. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And if you look at the book of Hebrews, you know what it says about the children of Israel that were journeying? It says it was because of their wicked heart and unbelief that it took 40 years. That's just one story. You could look at a guy named David, the guy that killed Goliath and went to the cave, the young shepherd boy. Pretty awesome story, right? David, from the time he was anointed king, most believe it was some, somewhere between 15 and 17 years before he actually took the kingdom. Uh, what was happening? Something was happening in the middle. Are you with me? And that's why we have such great verses like 2 Corinthians 7, 7 that says, hey, we should walk by faith, not by sight. Well, this is what it says. We should walk Faith. You don't need faith to stand over here. You don't need faith to be laying in the arms of the promise. You need faith to walk it out. Where does that faith come from? Romans 12, 3 says, God has given us each a measure of faith. Well, how big is that measure? I don't know. Okay? I'm big, so I tend to think I have big faith. Right? Right? He gave me a measure of faith, though. Here's what happens to that measure of faith. As I take the first step and I begin to walk, Towards what I believe God is calling me to, my faith continues to grow. It continues to grow. It continues to grow. Are you with me? But it all depends on how I, I walk it. Right? Are you with me? I don't know about you, but I want to detox from fear today. I don't want fear in my life. I don't want to be limited by fear. I want to move forward in faith. Fear limits us. Fear causes doubt. Am I really doing the right thing? Should I even start on this journey? Causes doubt. Fear looks back. Man, it's kind of scary out here. Fear looks back. Fear begins to cause you to become ungrateful. Ungrateful in the journey. Fear causes you to walk in disobedience. I want to detox some fear today. Matthew chapter 14. I believe there's a great story that really uh, paints this picture for us today and what we can do to walk in faith and not in fear. And we can learn. We don't have to learn this on our own. Aren't you thankful for the Bible? And the Bible is just, it's just honestly, it's, it's a book full of knuckleheads just like you and I. And we can read that and learn from them and say, you know what? I, I, yeah, I'm going to take that. You know, I'm going to do it that way. Here it is. Matthew chapter 14. Peter. Disciple, the disciples get the boat, they push out. Jesus ain't with them, they're out. They get out, the Bible says, about a mile out in the water, and it's about 3 o'clock in the morning. It is crazy out there. Sounds like life, doesn't it? You set out on a journey, you're off, you're doing what you think you need, you got to do. You're heading in a direction that it feels like things are contrary sometimes, coming against you, right? But in this moment is where the story begins to make a pivotal turn. It's in this moment that the story is no longer about the destination, but it's about what happens in the middle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. See, when they set out, they were like, hey, go to the other side. Okay, there's our destination. 
But in the, in the story, all of a sudden now, it becomes not about the destination. It becomes about what happens in the middle. The focus was no longer getting on the other side. The focus was now on Jesus. And isn't that the main point, ladies and gentlemen? Shouldn't that be the whole point of the journey, is keep it central on Jesus? The whole point of Canvas Church is not to get to some destination that one day we have all these campuses and thousands of people are coming. If that's the point, we're missing it. The point is Jesus. The point is pointing people to Jesus. The point is glorifying Jesus. The point is preaching Jesus. Is somebody with me this morning? Amen. It's the point. And so now their eyes are set over there, but Jesus shows up and says, hold on a second. It's not about the destination. It's about me. And he really is the point of the whole entire journey. Because listen to me, too often times we get so stuck on the destination that we forget about this whole middle part. And all of a sudden we begin to be ungrateful with those that are around us. We forget to honor those that have gone before us. Are you with me? We begin to develop bad attitudes while I begin to develop bad attitudes. Yet it's in here that really matters. And that's why Jesus shows up in the middle. Because ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. I don't want to just get from here to there. I don't want to just, I don't want to get to a building in the next month. Come on, somebody. <laughs> if you came to set up a pack-up, you would have cheered probably. <laughs> right? And get to a building and be like, all right, we made it. We got a building. Let's throw our sign on it. This is all right. We're here Sunday morning. Okay? It's not about that. I want to enjoy this journey. I want to look back and say, I had fun. Yeah. Are you with me? I want to enjoy the journey. He's given us all things we need for life and godliness. Amen. And there's a reason that the Bible says that in the presence of the Lord is the fullness of joy. If church ain't fun, then we ought to just pack it up and stop doing what we're doing. Yeah. Amen. A small group ain't fun. Man, church is fun. Church is life-giving. Amen. 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 I love church. Here is Jesus shows up. He sees already that they have fear. Okay? And so now Peter, he, he sees Jesus. No, no, it's Jesus, right? He sees the figure out there. Remember the Bible? You know, it's a, it's a ghost. They thought it was a ghost. So they got more afraid, right? And Peter does what so many of us do in our journey. He prays a stupid prayer. He really does. I think it's probably one of the stupidest prayers in the Bible, actually. This is, what, this is what Peter does. Peter looks, and they're all like, it's a ghost. And Peter's like, yeah. <laughs> Jesus, if it's really you, tell me to come. How stupid is that? That is like stupid on so many levels. For number one, if you've ever watched a horror movie, which none of you probably have because you're safe, okay? But if you ever watched a horror movie, and if, if, if Freddy Krueger is coming at you, the dumbest thing you can do is, hold on, hold on. I know you're telling me to come, but, you know, are you Jesus? Of course Freddy Krueger's going to say he's Jesus. Are you with me? <laughs> He wants to kill you, all right? So no matter what happens in that moment, it doesn't really give me assurance, right? It's a ghost. No, I'm not. I'm really not a ghost. Oh, yeah, if you're not, tell me to come. Easy, come, right? <laughs> but Peter prays a stupid prayer. Stupid prayer. If it's you, tell me to come. I would have prayed something completely different. I would have prayed something more logical. I would have prayed, Jesus, if it's you, uh, let us be on dry ground around the fire with a tent overhead and fish our hands. <laughs> See, I knew it wasn't you, right? No, Peter prays a dumb prayer. I've prayed dumb prayers in my life. I'm pretty sure you probably have too, right? I remember one of the dumbest prayers I ever prayed. I was, I was an intern, a school of ministry in Seattle. 
And I remember one of my mentors was up there and he was teaching and he got in this passionate moment about how one day when he was sitting in his Bible college and his instructor was talking about tools that God could use, he thought for a minute, he said, I want to be a tool that God uses all the time. I don't want to be some snow shovel, especially in San Diego. I don't want to be some snow shovel that never gets pulled out or maybe only gets pulled out, you know, three times a year and gets used and it just sits there all beautiful and pristine. He said, I wanted to be a pair of scissors. He goes, I begin to pray, God, make me like that pair of scissors that sits in the top drawer that gets used to open cans and bags and envelopes and you basically just use it for everything. You know what I'm talking about? Everybody has that, right? And I heard it and I was like, yes. God, that's what I want for my life. Lord, make me a pair of scissors. Oh, the dumbest prayer I've ever prayed. But then like, like a year later, I'm like, man, why do I feel like I'm getting used all the time? <laughs> Yeah, they want me to help out children's ministry. They want me to help out set up a pack up. They want me to tithe, God forbid. They want me to feel like I just feel like I just feel like they're using me. Well, that was your stupid prayer. Are you with me? Now the tragedy of that story is some of you prayed that prayer as I was talking about it, right? You didn't let me get to the end. You should let me get to the end. Peter prays a stupid prayer. That's you, Jesus, tell me to come. And guess what? Jesus said, come. Jesus, that's you, tell me, come. Come. <laughs> now, see, when the God said comes, you do have a choice. Yeah. When God speaks, you do have a choice. Yeah. You really do. You can stay in the boat afraid, or you can step out. <coughs> you really do have a choice. You really do have a choice. Peter. Decides whether out of peer pressure or just simply because I really believe it's Jesus, he decides to get on the boat. He gets out, he gets his God sent. He begins to take the first step. It, it, can I just tell you this? It doesn't take a lot to get a God sent. Let me, let me show you what it takes to get a God sent. Asking and praying for months, days. Oh, do it if you feel like that's but you know, here, here's, here's, here's the best way to hear what God's saying. Open that. He speaks. And then it takes faith to walk it out. Right? Peter gets it. He prays a stupid prayer. I know, I know, I know, I know that you're sitting here and you probably pray down first, dude. God, I will, I will give you my life and I will do anything you want me to do. Except for that, right? God, give me my life, I'll do anything but serve in children's ministry. Because I don't like kids. Not even my own. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Peter gets his God said, come. And now he has to apply it. Just like all of us in life, when we read the scripture, it doesn't work unless you apply it. Yeah. We only actually have the amount of faith that we walk in obedience to the word. God said, come. Okay, let's see if I really have faith. He comes. How much of the Bible? I mean, we can read through the Bible. We can see all sorts of things. I don't know this big one. Tithing. Let's take tithing for a minute. Okay? Now, no matter what your thought on tithing is, well, that was under the law, and that was Old Testament. Well, you're right. In the New Testament, they gave everything. So which one do you want to do? 10% or everything? <laughs> you get to choose. All right? And we see it before the law. We see it under the law. And the reason they had to come under the law is because they weren't being obedient to do it, so God had to make it mandatory in the law. 
And then grace comes, Jesus. But you know what? We see tithing in the New Testament. That's why Jesus looked at the Pharisees and said, you ought to give your tithe. You should do that. Don't stop doing that, but don't neglect the other things either. It's part of life. What is tithe? It's the, it's the Christian or the biblical practice of giving 10% of my income, figure out net or gross. I don't care, but it's the, it's, I made this much. And it's the practice where I say, you know what? I'm going to give this much back. In the Old Testament, they gave it to the priests. In the New Testament, the beginning, they laid it at the feet of the apostles. Then they established churches, and they gave it through the local church. The whole purpose of the tithe is to keep the church moving forward. Believe it or not, we don't get to meet here for free. It would be awesome if we did, okay? We got a good reputation with the school district, just not that good, okay? We pay for it. So 10% of the people's income, it comes into the church. It pays for salaries. Yes, I can pay it pays for salaries. It pays for the programs you received. It, it pays for this that we're meeting in. It pays for outreach so we can continue to reach more people for Jesus. It, 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 it pays for ads. Some of you came because you saw an ad on the internet. Guess what? It wasn't free. Right? And so that 10% comes in. And so we say, God, I want to serve you. God, I'll do anything. And then we come to places like Tithe. And you're like, oh, I don't know about that one. But you know the only thing that's holding you back is fear. The only thing holding you back. Because you look at your life, you look at your financial picture, and you say, man, I don't know how in the world I could give 100, you know, 10% when we live off 90. I can barely live off 100. And so it's fear that's holding you back. And you think, this is really dumb. I don't get it. I don't get how giving 10%, you know, I see how it helps the church, but I don't understand how it helps me. Yeah, yeah it's a stupid thought, isn't it? Kind of like getting out of the boat and walking on water. Yeah. It doesn't make sense up here. But I can guarantee you that if you would put that into practice, if you would say, you know what, here's the reality. Some of you aren't making it with 100%, so why not just not make it with 90%? Are you <laughs> why not give God a try? Right? I, I, my wife and I, we have been practicing tithing together since we've been married 18 and a half years. And before that, and I was, I was, I was just, man, I, I was all in. And for 19 and a half years, I can guarantee you to look back at my finances. Come on, audit me if you want to. You will see that I've tithed. People come over. People ask me how much I make. I don't make a whole lot. And then they come over to my house and like, how do you afford that? I tithe. That's my only explanation. Only explanation. My wife and I were debt free. Why are we debt free? The church. The church is debt free. Why are we debt free? Because we tithe. We apply the faith of time, but then we also apply the wisdom of budgeting. Yeah. See, some of you just want to apply the faith that I'm giving. Yeah, but you're also spending a thousand dollars a month at Starbucks. Knock it off. <laughs> Do you know that the Bible says where your treasure is? It's talking financial treasure, actually. The Bible says where some of you are like, oh, I thought this was going to be about and fear. I knew you just care about money. No, I care about people enough to tell you the truth. And I want to see blessed. You know that the Bible says where your treasure is, that your heart is also? Some of you, your heart is more Starbucks than it is in the kingdom of God. Some of you, your heart's more in Disneyland than it is with... Because your treasure Let's go back to my face. <laughs> but it's fear that's holding you back. But if you would 
would just try it. I have a couple that I've been working with, and they're now actually overseeing a ministry in our church. And two years ago, they came to me, and one of them was like, hey, I think we need to tithe. And the wife in tears standing was like, we can't tell. We're not even making it. We don't know what to do. And it was around, it was around October, and I said, here's what you're going to do. I said, don't give anything. Just don't, right? Just don't. Get through the holidays. Do what you need to do. Starting January 1st, I want you just to try January, February, March. Will you be faithful to give 10% of everything that comes in? And I believe if you do, you're going to see that God's a rewarder. Because the Bible says, the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please. And would you apply faith? And would you give the 10%? They said, okay, we'll try it. I said, if it doesn't work out, I said, never, ever give to any church ever again. Now, I better believe what I'm teaching if I'm going to make a statement like that. I said, don't ever, don't ever give again to me. So at that moment, I was like, sweet, let's do it. <laughs> so they did, remember, end of March. I still remember I was out, standing in the aisle, way right for service. They came walking over me, and I see them come. I'm like, hey, guys, how you doing? And she's got this serious look on her face, pretty much all the time. And, <laughs> and she comes out, she goes, we've been looking for you. I'm like, yeah, we've got to talk to you about this tithing thing. I'm like, what? She goes, I want you to know something. We did it. I'm here to tell you, we will never, ever stop tithing. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I thought she was going to say it. I was like, God, right? But it takes faith. It doesn't take faith to stand over here and hold on to the rope. It doesn't take faith to stand over here and hold on to 100%. It takes faith to say, you know what? I'm going to live off 90. I'm going to get 10. And I'm going to, I'm going to try this thing and see what happens. I guarantee you'll get to the other side and you'll be like, wow, where did all this money come from in our account? Wow. Guarantee it. Guarantee. Good preaching, Pastor Ben. Amen. Is there faith doesn't kick in? I'm in a mood to preach today. I'm sorry. If we go along, faith doesn't kick in until you let go of the boat. It took no faith for his feet to dip in the water. It took no faith for him to stand on the water, holding on to the boat. The minute he let go of the boat, that's when faith kicks in. The minute I let go of that rope, it's like my focus on. Now, folks, though, it takes faith for the in-between moment. And Peter, he lets go, and he begins to walk. And here's what you need to know. The reason he could get out of the boat and walk is because Jesus said, come. He said, come. If Jesus didn't say, come, he would have walked on presumption. The reason he could walk is because Jesus said, come. Some of you need to highlight that, know that. Because some of you are living off of somebody else's God said. Some of you are living off of somebody else's dream. Well, it worked for them. It must work for me. No, this works for everybody. But when the Holy Spirit speaks, that's individual. Bible works for everybody. That's why you need to start there. But some of you are like, oh, I remember what Pastor Ben, he did. I'm going to try that. You were walking on presumption. Reason he could get out and walk is because Jesus said, Come, you need to know that because the Bible says in Romans 10 17 that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Not, the, not by hearing of the word of Ben or the hearing of, but the word of God. And so God said, So he needed to stay focused on Jesus said, Come. Jesus said, Come. Jesus said, Come. And as long as he focused on his God, said he could continue to move forward. Amen. Yeah. That's good. And see, here's the great thing is I know Peter gets kind of a bad rep sometimes. But Peter made it quite a ways. Yeah. See, some, see, the flannel graph in Sunday school, they got it all wrong. I remember sitting in Sunday school, there's the boat, there's the disciples, there's Peter about a foot away from the boat, and then there's Jesus way over there. And Jesus is like, oh, little faith, Peter. That's not the story. Look at the story. Peter made it quite a ways. How do we know Peter made it quite a ways? Because he's walking. 
And look at what it says. First of all, you need to know this, that, that it wasn't the wind and the waves that caused them to sink. The Bible says he saw the wind and the waves and he became afraid. And then he sank. See, you can look at the wind and the waves as long as you have faith to continue to walk forward. Are you with me? That's just the in-between moment. You can either choose fear or you can choose faith. I'm choosing faith. What's the wind of the ways is the fact that fear got inside of us. Somebody get some out of this today. I'm just, Amen. I'm just having a fun time up here, okay? Walks. But the fear then caused him to get his eyes off Jesus. And now he's focused on the thing that's creating fear in his life. He stopped listening to his God said, come. Stay focused on what God is saying. Check this out. Peter made it a long ways. He walked. And in the middle of that moment, he looks in the in-between moment. He looks back. He's afraid. I can't get back. And what does he do? Jesus, save me. Look what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say that Jesus ran towards him and caught him. It doesn't say that Jesus dove under and caught him. Look what it says. And Jesus immediately reached out his arm and caught Peter. He was a long ways from the boat, but yet he was right there, close enough for Jesus to catch him. I don't know about you, but I would rather walk this way in faith, and even if I fall short, fall short into the arms of Jesus, and stay back here, fearing, what would it be like had I stepped out there? God is calling us forward, but the number one thing that is holding you back is fear. Whether it's fear in your family, fear in your finances, fear in your job, fear in a ministry, fear of getting more plugged in, fear of surrendering something. Know this. It's what happens in the middle. It's not about the destination. Oh, you'll get to the destination, but it's about this in-between moment and how you begin to walk it out. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.